I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the French Weekly Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And Springbok International, Montpellier man Nico Jansa van Rensburg will be joining us very shortly as well to run the rule over all the goings on in Marseille between France and South Africa. First though, you were at Murrayfield again, Johnny, on Sunday. We've joked a little bit about being the library over the past couple of weeks, but it certainly wasn't for obvious reasons on Sunday. Well, for various different reasons. Look, the performance, the team was back, uh, Finn was back, made a huge difference. Um, Doddy, we were presenting the match ball. Um, there yeah. wasn't a dry eye in the house, myself included. I was meant to be commentating and really had to pull myself together. It'd been five years since he presented the match ball against New Zealand. He was back for the same fixture and we just sort of, sh- we get to see firsthand how cruel a disease and illness it is. Um, and I think that makes the fundraising effort even more incredible. Everything they've done, the money they raised so far has just been phenomenal. Um, so that combined, seeing that family combined with an air of expectation, all blacks being there, a hacker, there was just a real buzz around the stadium and it was amazing. And it made you realize that life is short, it's for living. And it was incredible. And it was good to see the family after the game as well. So again, the fundraising will continue. Doddy Aid again, if you don't already have it, please download the app. I'll be part of that fundraising run with you, Tim, again this year. Get fit with it, get fundraising and help raise pressure funds to support the fight against MND. Absolutely. Some great things being done by Jill Douglas and the the team and everyone should get involved at home. They're all legends. Like Jill's chief exec chairing it. But just again, it's the length and the breadth of Britain. It's not just Scotland. It's absolutely everywhere. And then the effort of the rugby community around it. You've been part of it. I've been part of it. It's absolutely first class for an amazing cause. So please download the app and help us and, and raise some decent money. Amazing to see Dolly there, as you said. And you, the family were there with you as well? Everyone was there. Uh, it really was a family day. Uh, I was there commentating with my brother from another mother, Charlie Farmaina. We were doing Scottish <laughs> rugby hospitality. Jerome was actually meant to be with us, but I had to tap out last minute because the bosses at Toulouse said that he had to be at work, but Charlie could have a day off as uh, so they swapped places. But yeah, I was there with my, essentially my entire family. So my little sister, Jenny, who plays football for Arsenal, she was asked as a guest of Scottish rugby. So she was in the president suite, which I, I never get involved in the president suite because it's far too highbrow. They don't let us in there. <laughs> So I was doing commentary and the Scottish rugby hospitality, which is all the other suites. My dad was hosting the boxes. Um, and then we all managed to meet up post-game with grannies, uncles, aunties. Uh, Jen was over as well with the kids. About 25 of us for a pizza place in Edinburgh, which was utter carnage, as you can imagine, which was great just to catch up with everyone and see the family. And then we made the journey back to Buritz, the two flights, the 13-hour journey uh, yesterday, which is, as you can imagine, uh, utter madness. And who was in charge of that travel, Johnny? Oh, mate. <laughs> I won't mention it. Uh, so on the way over, I booked from Beeritz to Paris, essentially on the wrong day for my wife and kids. So we walked up at the airport and they were like, that's the wrong day, guys. Instead of accepting them pending divorce, I paid that 600 euros to him <laughs> as quick as I could and got everyone on Money the same well plane. Spent. And then, mate, on the way back, the same thing happened. Like... <laughs> The same thing happened, but it wasn't me. It was the production company for telly that booked me in the wrong time. So we, I made everyone get up at six, got everyone Edinburgh airport for the way home. First leg of the journey down Stansted. And the woman at the front desk looked at me and said, yeah, you're on the nine o'clock, but everyone else is on the 11 o'clock. So why, why are they here? And my wife could have punched me straight in the face in front of the kids <laughs> there. And then, um, so again, another flight change was made and we made it all back safely. Still a family, still together. Um, but wasn't the easiest few day travel. Selling a little? 
or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Let's turn our attention to Marseille now then and France, South Africa and get our guest on to offer a Springbok perspective. Montpellier in South Africa's Nico Jansen van Rensburg joins us. How are you doing? Oh, no, awesome, man. Uh, after the weekend, my heart is a little bit sore. Uh, I thought we were going to pull it through, but then in the end, uh, France were a little bit too too strong for us. Well, we all knew it was going to be physical, but it was absolutely ferocious, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, so I went to watch the game, and first impact, you, can just, you could hear it from the side. Uh, then the second impact, then the third impact, it was it was a physical 10 out of 10 match. Were you surprised? So I thought that the red might have dipped it. But in terms of physicality, the Springboks went toe-to-toe with 14 with a huge part of the game for massive periods. Did that surprise you? Well, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, so I went, I went to the game with a few friends. And uh, at that moment when Peter Steff... Uh, I would call it fall, fell into Dainty <laughs> <laughs> by accident. I thought it's going to be a long day, but yo, the guys just, everyone stepped up the, a little bit and I thought yo, they, they made, made us proud. And talk us through the atmosphere because you were there. I was there, but in the car park, slightly different. You were there enjoying it as a, <laughs> as a punter, but you could, you could sort of feel the ground shake almost at times. Literally. Um, I remember when uh, Pena got penalized with that, uh, a tackle and Valencia had to take that kick at goal. I've never heard a crowd go crazy like that <laughs> before. Never in my life. I've played in top 14 finals. That was twice, twice the volume, twice the ferocity, if you can say it like that. Um, it was amazing. The ambiance was amazing at the at the stadium. Uh, if that's a, a taste of how the World Cup's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And it's almost like, I don't know, looking around the Autumn Nations series i think the french have got it right so taking games to paris marseille toulouse they've sold them all out and when you get there like you see the appetite of french fans everyone's there in their numbers but the experience is another level whether it's the lighting the music the people animating things it's like it's one massive party it's like a concert and the rugby then just fits into it it seems like they've absolutely nailed it it's been so so much fun to watch as well i was messaging benji uh, during the game as well, just talking about the atmosphere and you guys being there. I mean, it must have been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, as you said, the, the lights, the smoke, the the, the atmosphere—they they did get it right. As you walk in, there's a just just a buzz around it. What helped is 
France being on a roll. So they've been winning, winning, winning. So that brings in the support that brings in the vibe and then the, the French Federation, well, how they handle it, I think you got it spot on. They, they, they present a show even before and after the game. It's, it's, it's awesome. You mentioned Benji. He says hi, Johnny. He's too busy investing other people's millions to come on and talk to us <laughs> this week. But he said hi from from Van Sanclair's after party as well, where I left him at about six a.m. But he said hi. You're living in different leagues, mate. Van Sanclair's after, as long as it's not McDonald's, it's McDonald's restaurants. That's his real business during the week. So the after party would have been good too. <laughs> Did you make it out, Nico, after the game, or were you were you good? Were you home early? Uh well, um, early. I drove to to Montpellier, so. I got back. My 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 third son was born two and a half weeks ago. So awesome! I didn't want oh, congratulations. To the, <laughs> thanks. I didn't want to leave the missus too too long uh, alone. So I, I I drove back directly after the match. Very good. The ultimate pro on and off the pitch, unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Pete Steftatoy's red card. We've got to talk about it. I mean, some people have said he was sort of shoved a little bit going in. There was the positioning of Dante and. We said it at the time, his first card in international rugby. He's not that kind of player, obviously. You're a similar stature. You've been in those situations. Just give us some sort of insight into what he might have been thinking or doing at the time. I thought it was an accident, but head to head, the, the rule book clearly states it's a red card. So if I was the ref, I would have guarded him, gave him a red card as well. But looking forward in the next test matches, I think they can maybe... Uh, keep that in mind that it was an accident. He, uh, hopefully for Peter Stef. I don't know how he could have d- could have done something different. Maybe fell on his stomach or something. But uh, <laughs> that's it's a difficult situation. He got pushed from behind. He he fell into him. Dante was sitting in the ruck. You don't see that very often. And then he, he I think he broke his cheek. So um, uh, yeah, it's it's a uncomfortable situation, but. The red card was the right choice. Luckily for us, the Pont also made a uh, crucial mistake then, and I think that equaled it out uh, a little bit. So, red card, I think, was fair. Wasn't an accident? Yes, still, I still think it was an accident. Yeah, no arguments about either red card, but Wayne Barnes breaking a record, hundred and first <laughs> test. He's taken some heat in South Africa. No, I think he. Uh, so, so the last few last few months, the South Africans, we are moaning and groaning and moaning and groaning i think it's also we brought up like that like even in my house my dad used to just scream at the ref and yeah so maybe it's just a little bit of our culture we just want to win at all costs if if it's not the team performing maybe it's just a outlet um refs aren't perfect i thought on the weekend he he handled it quite well the pressure from the crowd was uh, you, you won't get any more pressure from a crowd that than this weekend. So I thought he handled it well from a South African perspective, even though we lost. I, I'm not sure why they didn't show the the last try of France. They didn't even put it up the big screen. When I had a look on it uh, after after the game, uh, it looked too, like a try for me. It was just weird stuff like that happened. Um, then Rassi put on that clip where. Ramos uh, bumped off uh, Colby in the neck. So yes, uh, refs are going to make mistakes. I just don't understand why it's so frowned upon if the ref make makes a mistake. Why why aren't we allowed to discuss it? Um, like if a rugby player makes a mistake, uh, like we discussed now, um, Peter Steff, head on head, red card, you were wrong. That's okay to discuss that or the point uh, taking out uh, Colby, that's okay to discuss. Why are we not allowed to discuss refs making mistakes? I think when you see everything, all the outpouring from South Africa, it's almost as if they're being hard done by, like there's a real agenda against South Africa, which isn't the case. Like referees, no. like all of us, they want the best spectacle possible for games, for the fans, people coming in to watch the games on television and for the players. They want it to be the best and flow the best that it can be. That being said, they're human. Like they're human beings like us. Peter Steff makes a mistake, bangs ahead. It's not an intentional headbutt. If it was an intentional headbutt, you should be done for assault. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yes. it's a trip and a push, and it ends up looking really ugly. And by the letter of the law, yes, it's a red card. I think the difference is, and this is where I think it's stepping into the embarrassing a little bit, is that Rassi's won a World Cup. His legacy should be an absolute legend. You'll know him much better than we do. But instead of biting his tongue and going through the official channels, maybe he thinks that the official channels aren't enough anymore. So going back to the refereeing committees, the panels, and going through those ways of 
trying to correct or get your point across doesn't work and he has to go down this route. But that's where I think for a lot of people, it's becoming embarrassing. You've played under him. You're a South African. Like when you see on Twitter, like, and as the playing group, are you like, okay, I appreciate what he's trying to do. He's taking up for us. He's taking heat off us and he's fighting for us. Or is a little bit of you that mentioned your dad, like he can't be my dad because that's cringy. Like we need him to be better and be our coach. Like, so how do you see it? For me, I think it's not just straightforward with the Lions series that when he got his ban. If you look at what happened after that, how the refs refed against South Africa, it's maybe they it's like the intimidation factor when they go into the game before and even like if they know okay if I don't have my my A game out Monday, there's gonna be a clip of me on Twitter where Rasi may be one of the most successful coaches in recent times. So what is it? It's not just black and white with Rasi. Always, it's he's got he's a very 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 clever coach or director of rugby. Um, when in, I think it's 2005, he was was coaching the Cheetahs back in South Africa, and they played the Bulls at that stage. It was like Bayonne playing Toulouse this year in Toulouse Curry Cup final or top 14 final. Yes, Bayonne is good, but it's not. To lose, they don't have Brian Abana, they don't have uh, Victor Matthew Bucky's a team like that. And uh, Rasi was the coach at the time, and he was on the rooftop of, of Loftus, flashing re- red, green, and yellow lights, giving tactics through to his team. So with him, it's and they and they managed to win that game, they managed to win the, uh, the Curry Cup final at Loftus against all odds. So he's a very clever guy. So maybe it's not just focusing on the ref now for this weekend. Maybe he's, I don't know, I might be wrong. I might be reading too much into it. But how I've come to learn more from Rasi over the time, it's not just black and white with him. It's not one, two, three. He's, he's got a very particular mind and uh, he's, he's very clever when it comes to rugby. Clearly, he's exceptional. He's won a World Cup. He's won things with the Cheetahs with a player pool that was way inferior to his opposition. The weird thing for me is now he's had a slap on the wrist. He's had a year ban from World Rugby. With him continuing, do you think they'll have to ban him again? This is the crazy scenario we're in now. You look at Cristiano Ronaldo about to be sacked by Manchester mm. United for speaking out. Rassi, again, has had the slap on the wrist. He's had a year ban. Do you think they'll have to go a step further and do something else to get him to shut up? Or, or, or what will they need to do? Well, if you look at the... He only posted clips and then he made comments about something else. So maybe he's <laughs> he's got a lawyer helping him with his... He's a smart man. <laughs> so he's not uh, picking on the ref, but then again, he's he's showing the mistake. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't hope he gets banned because that won't be ideal for us. Aside from the social media clips of refereeing give us a insight into what Rassi's like as a as a man and as a coach because we saw during his ban the other videos he put on social media of him dancing drinking all sorts of Mm. stuff that is obviously very separate from when he comes across as very intense in a coaching scenario so what's he like what's the kind of balance you get with him i only played a few months under him but the few months i spent with him he he really loves the players he's very passionate when you do a mistake or is let, let's say you knock the ball on he won't that counts for all the coaches it's not a problem with them it's more effort if you if you have lack of effort you you'll let you know what what's your what to work on so he loves his players and he, he loves the game and then with him off the field there's as as long as you perform on the field anything goes almost if i can say it like that off the field so the South African culture is is like that. If you if you perform perform on the field, it's you can have your few beers or <laughs> your twelve beers after the game. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> as you, you just need to be at training on Monday performing. So with him as well, is let the main thing stay the main thing, and the, and that's the, that's the game. So it doesn't help if you if you just good at trainings. You the main thing is winning matches and performing on the weekend and. South Africa has got a specific plan, and I think uh, with him, you you need to stay in that plan. Otherwise, obviously, you can't, you won't fit in. So, if you won't fit in, you need to you need to go. And looking back on that period when you spent a bit of time with the Springboks and a couple of caps, who was it that made that call? 
was it Jacques or was it Rassi that, that phoned you up and said, would you like to join us and come on tour? Uh, so I was sitting in my car here in the parking lot and uh, I got a message from Jacques Niemann-Albert uh, asking me, uh, are you interested in playing for the Springboks? And I'm like, <laughs> am I interested in playing for the world champions? I got it here. Uh, I replied him immediately. So, um, And that was actually just before COVID hit. Um, so then there was a, a, a break in time. We we had a, a lot of meetings on, on Zoom, uh, similar to this, uh, discussing game plans and whatever. And then the, after, after COVID, the, the discussions continued. And then we got, I had a, a lot of individual chats with Rassi himself, the forward coach, Dion Davids, everyone, all the staff, they, they gave a roadmap on what they exactly expect of, of you and how you're going to become a starter or how you're going to get into the group. And if you, if you do A, B, and C, you'll be there. If you can't manage to do it, you won't make it. So the one thing from the box, you, you know what to do. You, it's very clear. If you do it, you'll make it. So. Uh, my first chat was with Jock and then, and then later with Rassi. So, uh, I was actually very, very happy, obviously getting that, uh, that message and that first phone call. And were you surprised? Because I think maybe for some people back home in South Africa, because you were out of sight, out of mind, it was surprising for them. It wasn't for us, certainly seeing you play here, watching you play in the top 14 and watching you lead that line out and run things at Montpellier. It wasn't a surprise for us, but for you sitting there in the car park in Montpellier to get that first phone call was a shock. It was a shock. This uh, the first moment I saw it on my on my phone. It was a shock. But I have a, a dream card in my room um, with a few pictures on it, and one of it is the bouclier. So I ticked that one, and then one is playing for the Springboks. So I was shocked in in that moment, but I was also dreaming of that. So continue believing, uh, continued believing in that. So. In the one hand, yes, at the moment I was I was happy and shocked, but also I kept on believing and and I managed to to reach reach that goal. It's been quite the year or so then between the middle of sort of 2021 and the middle of 2022. You tick both of those things. What else is on the dream card? Is that it? Done. <laughs> no, 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 we, lottery. I, I, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Champions Cup, Champions Cup. That's the next, that's yeah. the next one. And did you have Jack's number in your phone? Or because some people say when they they get these calls out of the blue, like I thought it was a prank by a mate or whatever. Did you have his number? <laughs> Apparently, that happened to uh, uh, Skulk Brits. He, he yeah. got a <laughs> call and he made jokes, and then it was Rassi. So um, no, he, uh, he he just uh, it was a message. The first was a message, so and he just left his name. Uh, uh, at, at the bottom uh, and it was Ninas so that's short for Nina but and I was who's Ninas but then I made the connection if you do you still want to play for the box and then I'm like yeah yeah that's <laughs> I only want to play for the box so yeah I think Scott was in Ibiza at the time so there might have been some beers involved which is why he thought <laughs> thought that you were in a car park so clearly very different <laughs> yes I mean you just said you only ever wanted to play for the box that was going to be my very next question because obviously your teammate Paul Valemsi grew up playing youth rugby, playing underage rugby for the Springboks and made the decision to switch to France. My next question was, when you're over here, you've been very successful in that Montpellier side. If that phone hadn't rung, would you have thought about playing for the French side as well eventually? Um, this is actually, it's a it's not an easy thing to say because I love France. I love the people here, but in my heart, I'm, I'm a South African. So my dream was to play for the box. I've, I've had these questions a few times beforehand. It was an easy answer for me because I really just wanted to play for the box. And my, my parents and I had discussions about it because it's, it's not a logical choice. If you can say it like that, it's much more logical to play for France, get your French passport, earn much more money. You, you're in the country, give back to the country you're in. But for me, it was just that I can't do it it was just not it's not my path i didn't have that planned and it was also it was i was not it was just not me so for paul it worked out awesomely uh, i think if he if he's continued dreaming to play for the box he uh, i believe he would have been able to play for the box as well he's a he's a specimen but he chose to to play for for, for france and that worked out wonderful for him i just think my path was a little bit different than his and uh, i have no regrets choosing the springboks i love i love my country and it was really up until the moment i 
got that uh, first SMS in the car park uh, was all I could think about. Did you ever have anyone from the French Federation just sound you out about would you be willing to do that? No, I haven't. I haven't. So it's easy to sit here now and say, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't say anything about I wouldn't go to the French team or wouldn't try. But I don't. maybe it was clear that I never wanted to play for France or didn't have that in mind. And my, my ultimate goal was, was to play for the Springboks and still is. And a World Cup next year wouldn't be too shabby if you got to take part in that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> exactly. If I can play a game in the World Cup, two, three, well, that would be awesome. A quarterfinal or semifinal against France, that would be everything. And what have they said? Because you mentioned they're very clear about what they want from you, Rossi and Jack Nina. But yes. obviously, having featured in the squad last year ahead of the Lions series, what have they said about what you need to do to get back in there? For me, it's... It, I'm a little bit of a lighter, more mobile player. And as you saw the, the weekend, uh, the, the South African pack are very physical. That's the main thing they, they focus on um, is a, a set piece and uh, the line speed and defense and physicality. So just uh, be more physical. That's my, my one thing I know I need to work on. Um, so that's I've been working on it and I think I can still improve my tackle height can be a little bit lower leg drive it's so it's simple stuff but it makes a big difference and you made the move over initially with Jake White in 2016 so mm. how easy a decision was that to make because you know it becomes harder for most players when they leave their home country in terms of spring box or chasing international honors but in terms of leaving and coming to club life in Montpellier with Jake White how did that move come around so I was at the Blue Bulls before I came to Montpellier my path there closed up a little bit and the the opportunity came to, to me and uh, I, I took it with both hands. Uh, I knew playing in, in the top 14, there would be much more game time. That's the one thing I knew I had to, I had to get. Um, one of my mentors uh, when I was still back at the Bulls were uh, Victor Matfield and I, I spoke to him about it before I came actually to Montpellier and he told me that... Uh, I need to get game time. That's the that's the main thing. Um, so I knew as soon as I'm going to come to France, there's a lot of games throughout the season. And it's true. I came, I played 17 games in my first first season here. I was the fifth choice lock, but I managed to play 17 games. The next season, I managed to play 29 games. So I knew the game time was going to be, is the, is the main thing. Uh, when I came to Montpellier, I didn't have uh, a Springbok jersey in my, in my mind, right in front. I just wanted to play. So come, I'm a get experience, maybe go back to South Africa. And then uh, it just kept on ticking over and, and I made uh, Montpellier my home. And you're obviously happy there, but Johnny mentioned it earlier. There was a surprise in South Africa when you were picked ahead of the line series, just because I guess there they, they watch a lot of South African rugby. They don't watch a lot of top 14. So in this sort of six years since you moved to Montpellier, obviously you've starred in the top 14. Have you had approaches to go back and has that kind of played on your mind a little bit because you obviously are desperate to play for the Springboks? Yes. Yes, I have had approaches in the COVID time. Actually, I had a, I had a team that wanted me to come back, go back to, <laughs> to South Africa. Um, and then I had uh, uh, a year later, uh, my my father fell sick and I wanted to uh, to be closer to him and I asked the club for release. They uh, they didn't want want me to go. So I, I understood it at the moment. I wanted to go back to Pretoria, play for the Bulls, and uh, it didn't manage to happen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so my, my father passed away and then things were a little bit unstable in my family at the time. And I made, I, I made a choice to get a little bit of stability back and re-signed re at Montpellier. So... Uh, that gave me a little bit of stability at the time. Um, so I, I, I had a choice or I had an op option to go back to South Africa. It didn't, it didn't happen. So my third boy was born the other night. We won the top 14. We won the Challenge Cup. So no, um, I really made Montpellier my, my home and, uh, I, I'm very happy I stayed on here. Yeah. I've had uh, options to go back, but it's, as I said, it's not the same thing. It was just not my path. And it is complicated. Very sorry to hear about your dad. And you're still only 28. So yes, yes. you've still got two or three more contracts to be had, whether those pan out in France or whether you want to go back and represent the Bulls again. 
have you had an indication? This is one thing that happened with us with Scotland. When when you leave the country, you almost understand there's a waiting towards homegrown players or players that are playing their club rugby in the country. Has the Springboks given you that indication as well? If you come home and represent the Bulls or a URC team or one of the franchises back home, your chances of being involved will increase? No, they haven't. I've spoken about uh, ex- exactly this point before I was chosen uh, for the Springboks with Coach Jock Nader. And they said it will maybe give you a better chance, but they're just going to pick the best team. So as things change, maybe a lot of the South African players are starting to go back to South Africa. Yeben uh, went back. You can, you can name a few guys. But then on the other hand, Stephen Kitzoff is coming to, to Ireland uh, next season. So I think they're going to pick the best team or the team they think are the best. Uh, and if you play in France or you play in Japan or you play in Ireland, I think that it plays maybe a small role. But if, if it's a 50-50, they're going to pick the, pick the guy in South Africa. But I don't think that's the ultimate point. I don't think you need to be in South Africa to play for South Africa. You've mentioned there the chats you've had with Jack Nina, but you give us a bit of insight into what Rassi Erasmus is like. Give us a bit of an idea of what their relationship is like and how the dynamic works between the two of them. Is there sort of like a, I've heard a few people talk about it before, but is there a good cop and a bad cop? How does it work? <laughs> good cop, bad cop. Uh, it might be like that. Um, I think they complement each other very well. The one is more defensive orientated uh, and the others. The Jock Nibar is the more defensive orientated coach where Rassi is, he, he oversees a little bit more. When, when Rassi was banned and Jock became also before Jock became the coach, he, he had uh, much more responsibility to take over as, uh, as the leader. So he oversaw much more things, but I think they also, they, they work hand in hand. They, they're a very good team together. They've been working together since the days at the Cheetahs. So Jock started as a physiotherapist at the Cheetahs and then he started, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a physiotherapist and the, the, uh, the budget was too small to have a defensive coach. He started warming up the, the guys and then he did a little bit defensive throws in the, in the warm ups and that led to the, I think the next to the next to the next. And eventually he became a defense coach and he coached me under 20 as well at the, SA on the 20s, an awesome coach. He he gets the best out of you. The same with Rassi. They they just they know how to they, I don't want to say psych you up, but they they know which buttons to press to get you to perform at the at the highest level. So um yeah, so they've been a teams for uh, in a team for years and just complementing each other very well. Step forward all the physios that now think they can coach in every single club off and down. I think I can take this warm-up and these defensive drills. <laughs> it is interesting though, at international level, you touch on there, it's different to club level, but that man management is key, isn't it? Johnny, you spoke about Fabian Gauti on here lots. It's pushing those right buttons, which in a club environment it's probably more difficult to do every day. So it's different motivations. So for me, your international coach needs to be technically and strategically the best in class. And then he's only with you a short time. So how do you wire into people, get the best out of a 30 or a 35, get them motivated and get them to move mountains in a small small space of time? Like that's ultimately it. That's what the best coaches are. And the most effective ones are the guys that can be with people for a short amount of time in international windows, motivate them, as Nico's just said, and give them the best possible game plan. Simple and let them go out and execute. Um, and certainly look at Fabian Galtier, the French squad, the Springbok squad against being settled a couple of years. Like some of the best coaching squads that we've seen at the minute are settled ones, extremely effective. World Rugby Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, all the awards, uh, yeah. nominations are out at the moment. Fabian Galtier is obviously up for Coach of the Year. If they beat Japan this weekend, he's going to have won every game in this year. So does he win it? Automatically, I know the other coaches, Andy Farrell's won a series in New Zealand. There's the two coaches of the the teams that reached the Women's World Cup final as well. But to not give it to a coach who's won every game would be fairly incredible, right? And if they beat Japan this weekend, it's 13 on the bounce. Previous record was 11. So they've beaten everything with different game plans and different squads. Again, we saw some of the youth that came on this weekend that we aren't used to seeing too much of, but the fact that they're settled in a winning environment that's been curated by him and the rest of the coaching staff has been exceptional. So he probably would be a fitting winner. Other guys 
Uh, Wayne Smith on the shortlist as well, taking the Black Ferns from being stuffed by 40, 50, 60 points uh, by England and France only a year ago to winning a World Cup at home. Um, it was exceptional. Another guy I thought could have been on the list was Kieran Crowley. Paul and the other guys at Montpellier who play for him, what do they say when they come back? Because Johnny's spoken about it. He's obviously an intense character, but what do they say? Presumably they love going to play for France. Exactly. So Paul mentioned what uh, Johnny said. He said, you need a guy that's very technical. You need a guy that's very precise in what he wants as well. And then you just need to execute his plan. And he's going to push the buttons to motivate you. And he's not going to waste time. But that's the thing as well with when you arrive at internationals, everyone wants to perform. They know they need to play this weekend their best match. Otherwise, they're not playing again. Where at club level, sometimes oh, you have an off game. There's a few injuries. It's kind of, you're going to play again next week. You're going to play. You're going to play. I've heard, I don't know, Johnny, you should say, uh, Fabian was maybe too too much for a, for a club team. Uh, it's maybe too difficult to have a guy with that high uh, expectations. Or apparently, it was a, he was a little bit too tough on the guys. I think the weird thing to chip in with another point that you just made is that when you go to international camp, it's the best of the best. So I think there's some coaches as well that aren't suited to dealing with your average to low-level player. That's probably the truth of it. And I think a lot of things happen because you're dealing with average players. When he goes to deal with the cream of the crop and he has the best of the best to work with, things just click and they he just basically paints a picture. You execute and then everything works. That's how we described it with Fabian was he could give you, like you know, when you're a kid and you get painting by numbers and you put a red in here and a blue here and everything comes together and looks nice at the end. That's what he does. He articulates whether that's by walking you through it on the field, drawing it up on a whiteboard, um, or explaining verbally, however you learn or absorb, he is capable of explaining to you and giving you exactly what you need to do to execute on the pitch. And that's what he does with the highest level players. He got the best rugby out of me that I ever played because he made it easy. And I think what he found difficult when people couldn't execute or couldn't do what he was trying to explain, he'd get frustrated with them. Um, but what you see with the French side now is the most talented athletes in France operating extremely high level, training in an intense environment, and absolutely killing it at the weekend because they've got a good coaching team around them. Um, and that's what they've been missing for a long, long time. And he absolutely is the answer. He, he was, for me, he's the best coach that I had a chance to work with by distance. He made it really, really easy. And that's what you see with this French side now. It's awesome to see. So that's Fabian Coach of the Year. While we're on it, World Player of the Year. So you've got Lacan Yoam, Johnny Sexton, Josh van der Fleer, Antoine Dupont. From a South African perspective, Nico, Lacan Yoam, we obviously know he's arguably the best center in the world but he's only played five tests this calendar year and that's what it's supposedly judged on not club form just tests just this year is it a surprise that a man you mentioned earlier on Eben Etzebeth is not nominated um yes well he is a world-class player he made his hundreds just recently so um I think it's also a world player of the years maybe opinion wise as if you can say it like that Maybe they they don't rate the type of things he does that high. Um, you, obviously, a guy like Antoine de Pont, he's going to be there. He's flashy. He's good at the basics. So how can't he can't he be there? But if you look at the weekend, Eben is the guy that chases every every um, uh, kickoff. He's the guy making the first tackle. You can go and watch the game again. He he runs from the inside. He makes that tackle. Uh, after Maul, he's the first guy around the corner. He, he's got an engine. He's big. He's strong. He just keeps on going. He's a leader in the team. He made his hundreds cap this season, as I said. Um, that that doesn't happen for nothing. Um, surprised that he's not there. Yes, maybe I'm a little bit surprised. But as I said, uh, player of the year is maybe a little bit comes down to opinion um and he's maybe not in the he's maybe not ticking the boxes he needs to tick to to be in that category where Lucanio Amas as well he's a he's a flashy player he is very flashy he, he gives round the back passes against the all blacks and we score tries and uh, he gives grubber kicks kicks and chase with the left foot scores tries and then you also see him doing the little shove off the ball that little detail so I think they they like they like flashiness when it comes to player of the year as well. So maybe he just doesn't tick the box boxes they want uh, when it comes to Yeben. And Johnny, on that point about having to be a flashy player to get nominated, we chatted about this 
last year, a prop has still never been nominated for this award, which is incredible, really. How close do you think Cyril Bai was to being nominated this year? Oh, he must have been close. Again, devastating to see him go off injured at the weekend with what looks like a really serious injury. He's going to need another operation. But maybe it's the type of panel. We'll need to examine who's on the panel. I know Richie McCall's on that panel. Another one that stood out or was omitted was Ardi Savia. You can see around social media, people really surprised that he hasn't been um, selected either. But maybe it's just typical of the of the position these boys play, like tight five forwards aren't suited to being nominated because it isn't flashy. Maybe Ebena needs to start running in 60-meter tries if he's going to get nominated. <laughs> because like in terms of tight five work and the grunt, like that's how most of these games are won. Like You look at Eben keeping his side in the game this weekend, picking up Roman Taufifuno on the game line and carrying him back six metres. Like, there's not many people in world rugby that can do that. And it's absolutely freakish. I think the only guy that's won it was it Keith Wood. Is he the only type five forward to have won player of the year? But I leave it there you ones. go. But those guys can both kick and they can both run as well. So that's it. Like yeah. maybe <laughs> it needs to be the 50, 60 metre breaks, the, the, a few kicks in there and they can pick it up. But a serial buy was phenomenal last year. Am, like you said, was exceptional last year. But on that list, like I looked through it, like Josh, Josh van der Fleer, for, for me, it's Antoine Dupont by a mile at the minute. The way he's playing for Toulouse week in, week out. He hasn't had his best games internationally the past two weekends, but across the board, um, the guy's just phenomenal. I know we have a team of the year, a World Rugby team of the year, but maybe we need a World Rugby prop of the year and a World Rugby second row of the year <laughs> with a massive trophy for those guys because they deserve some recognition, Nico. Yes, I agree. I agree. That would be awesome, man. A guy like Franz Malarbe as well. A beast. Yes. He just sits in that scrum and he does the dirty work. I love how you say he just he just sits in there. He just sits <laughs> in there and doesn't move. You can't move him. Um, but he, he hasn't won a man of the match for, for the Springboks. He's, but if you don't have a scrum that's solid, you don't have a mall or a, you can't win. Look look what happened on the weekend. The the last try wasn't of a mall, but that created space uh behind the line-out because uh, the, the French mauled South Africa in the previous line-outs. They put them under pressure in the mall. They they uh, they went forward and that created a little bit of a, a deception or a vacuum behind the line-out. They got right up to the try line and they and then they scored from a pick-and-go to a, a half a meter pick-and-go. It's it's Sometimes you're going to win a game like that and, and you need you need that in the game. Um, and maybe we need the players be more, uh, let the guys get more recognition for, for the dirty work. I bet he'd have won plenty of Man of the Match awards if it was voted by his teammates, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And we have a thing at the Springboks where they do that that's actually quite special. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 special. So maybe you should uh, have a little bit more focus on the on the tight five. I wanted to ask you quickly about that call last minute for France to go off the top. We didn't really talk too much about the game, but how ballsy was that? Because if I was the line-out leader or decision maker for France, I would have mauled 100%. Exactly. But the fact that they went to that and completely caught them by surprise, would you have gone to that or no chance? Uh, with my South African hat on, no, I wouldn't have gone to that. <laughs> the more was going forward, going forward, winning penalty. We just lost a yellow card or so before then. So the, the box were under pressure, but exactly, it was the, the perfect call. We, we Well, the French scored of it, so it was the perfect. If they didn't score, you can say, well, they should have mauled, but it was exactly the right thing at the right time to, to do that. But personally, I would have gone for for the mall as well. That's why we're not player of the year, mate. It's exactly decisions <laughs> like that. It's never going to be us. <laughs> exactly. And was it a double movement for Falateas try or not? I've had a look at that clip. His knee never touched the ground. No. So if your knee doesn't touch the ground, you're not tackled. In with my South African hat on, yes, it was a double movement. <laughs> penalty <laughs> but I, I thought I thought his knee didn't touch the ground. So I thought it was a try. And what about the forward pass at the end? Because Vili LaRue looked very confused. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that's debatable as well because that ball went forward. But if you run the ball, the, the ball will go forward. So that's debatable. I'm not sure about that. Rassi can have that one. He can have the forward yeah. pass. <laughs> yeah, he can have the forward pass. <laughs> so let's get this. Johnny, you said to Antoine Dupont, who's your vote game to World Player of the Year? Can you am Johnny Sexton, Josh van der Fleer or Antoine Dupont? Mine, uh, Antoine Dupont as well. The two Frenchmen, Fabien Galtier, Coach of the Year, Antoine Dupont, Player of the Year, done. Simple. And before we let you go, you mentioned the dream card earlier on. A lot of stuff's happened to you in the last year or so. 
what's next? Come on, give us the plan for the next year or so. So I'm currently at the at Montpellier. Uh, I know people will say, oh, you're crazy, crazy thinking it. Um, but really, this season is our best opportunity to do well in, in the Champions Cup. Uh, previous years, we, we struggled. We, we had Leinster, Exeter, Leinster, again, Cast, uh, Toulon, teams like that. I don't want to talk down the teams we have this season, but we have opportunity. We have really have opportunity if we play to our potential. If we can find a way to play like we played the second half of last season, uh, we saw glim- glimpses of it against uh, Toulon. We saw glimpses of it against uh, Stade Francais, but we still need to fix our set piece. I think our defense can be a little bit better. We can come off the line and smash the guys. We we did it against uh, Toulon. We put them under pressure. The one try Kamara scored, Yakuba, was purely a kick through, pressure on the fullback or the wing. He managed to spill the ball and we scored next to the stick. So um, that's the type of things that win you the games, um, especially how we play here at Montpellier. So for me, this season, I really think we can do good in Champions Cup. I want to I wanna lift that trophy this season. That's the dream. That's what's next. So hopefully we can do that. Awesome. You sold me the dream, mate. I think you're winning it now. <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for joining us, Nika. Great to get your insight. So a picture of the Champions Cup trophy and then a picture of the World Cup next to it. We'll see you there next year. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for the invitation. I had a great time. Very interesting about his dreams there, Johnny. He's ticked a load of them off already. I used to say he won't take the next couple off as well. Mate, get me some of these dream cards. Where were they when I was playing? <laughs> I've got Lockie's freaking Pokemon cards. That's about as much as I've got around that house. Um, but it's amazing, again, to have the sort of mental imagery. Seriously, to have had it and had a little notebook and noted it down and these are things I want to achieve. And to knock off two in a year like that, especially becoming a springbok from playing in France, sort of under the radar, is really impressive. And you've got to admire, not the courage, but... The fact that he really believes this year Montpellier can give it a good crack in the Champions Cup after shipping 88 points wherever it was to Leinster. If they play and they stick to their guns in the way they beat Cass in last year's final and they're consistent, why not? Like, they've got the playing squad. Zach Mercer on fire again for the Babas against an AB's 15 at the weekend. They've got a decent tight five. They've got good decision makers, some good strike runners. So, it's really cool. Um, and great to have some insight from the Springbok camp as well. But another man that's come over to France and he's come on leaps and bounds from a young man that came over to now leading the show and running the show line-out time in the tight five at Montpellier. Really good insight into Razzy Erasmus. Yeah. Can't expect him to say that Razzy deserves another long ban, given he's hoping for a call-up, but you can say it. <laughs> Mate, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, he's also been very coy and smart about how he, like, he mentioned it, how he words his Twitter posts. Like, he doesn't directly criticise anyone. We all know what he's doing, but can you, by the letter of the law, drag him or haul him over the coals again? I'm not sure. But it is bringing the game into disrepute and it is making a laughing stock. But is it our, our world rugby going to act? I don't know. Um, so really interesting. We'll see what happens. We know exactly what he's doing, but can they punish him? We'll wait and see. Right. It was a rest week in the top 14 at the weekend, but there is one bit of massive news that we've got to chat about. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's find out what your meter moment of the week is, Johnny. Well, we had a few bits and bobs. We had... The atmosphere, firstly, in Marseille was absolutely ridiculous. Again, even just watching that on TV, it came across as the place to be for rugby at the weekend. The French going 12 on a trot, absolutely incredible stuff. Italy beating Australia for the first time in their history, really impressive. Um, Scotland are going to be worried about playing them now in the Six Nations. It's going to come around far too soon. But my meter moment of the week does come from Scotland, and it comes from the My Name's Doddy Foundation and Doddy Weir. Again, spending a bit of time with them this weekend. The work they've done already over the past five years is absolutely incredible. Um, and the man himself in the flesh this weekend, wonderful to see. So Doddy Weir and family, um, for what they added to the occasion and what they've done over the past five years was my meter moment of the week. Yeah, yeah. that was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 20% off any full price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD20 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD20, and you get 20% off any full price item at meter.com. And again, Johnny. 
everyone needs to get their hands on a free case of beer, don't they? They do, mate. The good men and women at Beer 52 who hosted us last weekend after the Scotland-Fiji game. We didn't really talk about this, but their office was absolutely ridiculous. We went into like a tasting room, which was just a room for drinking beer. So essentially a high-end pub in the middle of Edinburgh city centre with a sauna in the basement, a gym in the basement. It was like, it was absolutely ridiculous. Apparently some rich man from the Faroe Islands owned it before and they've taken it over. So yes, Beers from them, if you can get there and have them in person, even better. But joining their beer club is class. Beer in the sauna, sign me up. Mate, I'd be passing out. I'm too old for any of that stuff now. (laughs) That's right. With the Autumn Nation series in full swing, Christmas coming up, our friends at Beer 52 are offering everyone a free case of eight craft beers. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash French, cover the meagre postage costs of £5.95 and claim your free case. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world and they showcase the best independent breweries. There's no better way to enjoy good beer during this year's Autumn Nation series. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents, from big juicy pale ales, refreshing lagers, sumptuous stouts. You can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. And if dark beer is not your thing, just choose the light-only case, get an award-winning magazine, a couple of tasty snacks as well. And if you're still not satisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Just head to beer52.com forward slash French to claim your free case now. That's beer, then the numbers 52.com forward slash French and a case of beer will be on its way to your door. And meter, beer, pants. We of haven't course, covered Jerome's pants. pants. Yeah. Jerome's pants. So Jerome actually messaged during the week say thank you very much for all the orders that come in so far. He said a few of you have put in the wrong code on checkout so it hasn't gone through okay give us it now you were waiting for your freebies to mine is still not here come on jerome but you've got <laughs> holes in yours that's what you've got all the chaffage <laughs> me too um if you are still looking to get undies for brothers uncles dads grandpas jerome sorted us out so his new company mintware m-i-n-t-w-e-a-r.co if you stick in the code frp mintware which needs to be added to the sidecart discount box just before checking out you get 20 percent off your undies and that's your christmas shopping sorted frp mintware got it Boom. we mentioned it johnny the massive news in the top 14 in a way it's been coming because we've mentioned things haven't been going well pretty much every week since the end of last season but it's still a shock christoph Urias is gone from bordeaux Mate, it's huge so it's just been announced this morning and it looks like the club are going to have to shell out 1.4 million in damages to pay off his contract. I mean, it's absolutely massive. He only just recently signed an extension as well. So just mental. You think as well where the he's taken this club. So this club, when I came to the top 14, was, you know, like an 11th, 10th, 9th on a good year. There are thereabouts, but sort of always underperforming for the budget that the president had allocated and for the money they threw back for the players they had. So... The fact that they've sacked the man who, you know, in the COVID year, they were sitting first. He's taken them to Champions Cup semis. He's taken them to top 14 semis because they've had a sticky period over six months. For me, it's a bizarre one, but it makes me think that there's got to be something gone really badly wrong behind the scenes. Either a fallout with president or power struggle or players lost the changing room. And again, we've spoken to to Kane. We've spoken to Zach, boys that are there playing. And they're like, nothing really happened. Like sort of business as usual so the fact that he's been sacked this morning and he's been removed from post and that they're gonna have to pay him this massive indemnity um is a wee bit of a shock i I didn't see it It seems a little bit knee-jerk when you think and it's the same president it's not like he's changed he was there when they were average christoph has taken them to be good and i just i don't know i'm struggling to get my head around the why uh and i need to know a bit more of the detail before we can talk about it properly but it's a big shock because he's a well-respected coach in france as you say, it might come out in the wash, but we saw at the end of last season the situation with Cameron Wockie, and arguably that makes this more of a shot because they backed Christoph to the hilt at that point and Cameron mm-hmm. Wockie left for wrestling. But you mentioned we spoke to Kane Douglas on here after the barrage and he chatted about how Christoph just left them to it for a week, which obviously kind of paid off. It worked. They won that game. Yeah. But it, in hindsight, that almost now seems like the beginning of the end. Yeah, but there's, there's different ways of managing people, especially over here. And that, that was Christoph, I think, trying to get his players to step up and take more responsibility. Looking back at it now, you can see why he did it, although it maybe seems very rare and not the done thing. In an Anglo world, over here, I can see why. And I don't know, that the whole thing with Cameron Walkie as well, like, again, the press has been rumbling on, but Cameron's kind of been underwhelming since his move to Racing. He hasn't really sparked, whereas he was absolutely flying with Bordeaux. So Christoph seems to have, 
almost had his decision validated um, and that it was the right thing to do. But whether that has then led on to other players want other players wanting to leave the club, then we're going to see the president saying this can't go on, we don't get on with them. I don't know is the honest answer, but something big has happened behind the scenes that's bigger than just the changing room. There's a big clash or something must have gone on for them to have removed the coach that's given them the most success in their history. You mentioned that success. I know he didn't win anything, but they were 11th, 10th for several seasons before he arrived in 2019. So he he did a hell of a job. And also, you know him, you worked with him. Because of the things that you hear about him, the public might get a sense that he's one of those coaches that you can only have for a certain amount of time. And then things go either stale or they they explode. But when you look at it, he was at Oyenar for an absolute age. He was at Cast for four years. So that's not really the case, is it? When you say an age, it's not an age in in in, in professional sporting terms. So Oyenax for a while gets the match pro do gets Oyenax to sixth. He got Oyenax playing Champions yeah. Cup rugby, which is ridiculous. Then with Cast, essentially got them to finals. They won the top 14 with him. They did extremely well. And he himself has always talked about cycles and that he feels he can only last four years at any one place because... We talked about it earlier, the Fabian Galtier and how you get on with people and the relationships that you build. But Christoph's always said there's a four-year cycle to be had in a professional rugby club anywhere. So Oyanax, Cast, and Bordeaux the same. Just I don't think he's ever had it dictated to him when that cycle ends. <laughs> this is the crazy thing. He's been able to pick and choose, extend his contracts. He's always done a good job. The weird thing now is he has done a good job. They've had one six-month period of it not being good. And he's found himself out of the club. So interesting for him and see how he deals with it. He's well-liked and enjoyed over here as well because he just says things how they are. That's, I think, what the French public um, and spectators enjoy about him most. But maybe that's what has got him into trouble in in becoming too much of a boss, becoming too independent. There's been a clash behind the scenes and they've decided to remove him. Um, But still a little bit of a shock for me, I would say, at this stage. He won't be short of job offers, that's for sure. Let's get back to the international rugby. France Japan this weekend. Charles Olivon's going to be captain. Do you yep. expect a lot of personnel changes or not? I don't think a starting point, no. I think even if you look at, I think Fabian wants to assure this game and win it. I think he wants to finish this series and win properly and well. Uh, you look at how England took on Japan, it kind of blew them off the pitch. I think that he will expect the same from this side. Uh, he didn't get to see his first string team playing against Japan in the summer. He took a mix of youth and inexperienced guys uh, summer tour over there. I think now he'll want to see his first string lay down a marker uh, with the last test match of this autumn series against Japan. Um, I think that being said, if they are comfortable, the bench might be slightly lighter and mixed. There'll obviously be a change at nine. I don't think Antoine Dupont will be playing this week. So it's who starts and who goes straight in for him. Uh, if it's Max Luku or if it's Le Garek, who's come in as well for training this week. But I think Fabian want to get, you want to solidify the good work that they've had, another big win and finish with a bang. Come on, then give us your prediction. What's the score going to be? Um, I don't want to say comfortable because Japan, mate, are a very, very good rugby side. I love watching them play under Jamie Joseph. But I think going to Toulouse, again, we mentioned the environment, the atmosphere, what's created in the grounds now. The FFR will take that over and put on a real show in Toulouse. For guys like Tom Ramos, he'll be coming home. He wants to finish like a bang. Intermac as well, who's been not the best since he's come back. He wants to finish strongly. And I think they will really, as a group, want to finish strong. So I'm going to go France by 15. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Nico Jansen van Rensburg for joining us as well. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode the week after next. Something's happening Why? next week, Johnny. I don't know what. What's happening, Tim? Well, Nico's had another, and I'm having a baby, it turns out. Well, not me personally, but you know. <laughs> I was going to say, mate, good luck. Thank you very much. I'm not sure you want to hear or see me next week. It might be a bit of a mess. I'll be giving you a text to keep up and make sure all is well, and everything goes well, mate, so fingers crossed, and we will see you all in two weeks' time. Have a good week off, Tim. It's going to be a, a, a down week for you. There'll be no extra work with an extra child. You'd be absolutely fine. <laughs> we'll be back with a big episode with potentially Jerome, potentially another very big guest host the week after next. Yes. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. Good luck. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.